This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, Spencer, the uh, the comments we were just having and the, the, the conversation we just had at the end of that last segment about Ryan Day, you know, would Ryan Day want to go back to, to the NFL? That, that kind of has a different meaning this week because, and it started earlier this week, Boston College uh, head coach Jeff Halfley, who, by the way, I used to, I think used to be in Ohio State, um, assistant coach uh, or GA or something like that. I vaguely remember that. He was also a Browns uh, former assistant coach. Jeff Halfley left being the Boston College head coach to be the defensive coordinator. He the was the co-defensive coordinator in 2019, and that was before See? he... That was before he got the, the the BC job. See, I vaguely remembered it. All right, look <laughs> at that. My memory isn't total crap, but he left to be the defensive coordinator in Green Bay, and that opened up a whole conversation because Jeff Halfley pretty much told everybody around him and anybody that talked with him in the media that the, the changing tides in college football are what, drove him away from college football and you add to it chip kelly uh there was a report last night chip kelly uh ucla head coach has uh interviewed twice to be the oc in um oh or in las vegas uh that job went to uh a complete i mean just uh cliff kingsbury um i have no <laughs> idea what that was about but he also um apparently chip kelly is also one of the finalists for the Washington uh, Commanders offensive coordinator job. And so it kind of opened up this panic conversation. And, you know, Kirk Herbstreet, Ohio State guy, I mean, just renowned college football analyst, now doing NFL stuff as well on Thursday Night Football. You know, he responded to a, a friend of the show, Pete Futex, tweet about the NFL is the NFL in response to people panicking and comparing college football to the NFL and all this. And and I think Kirk used this as kind of a clarion call, as, as has happened a lot here about the state of college football. Here's what he had to say. And just to kind of surmise it here, he it's basically hinting to that this is a trend that's going to continue until leadership steps up in college football, whether it's dealing directly with NIL transfer portal, whether it's directly pay for play, revenue sharing. And then the last line that I think is just really interesting is the sport is spiraling out of control as we know it. And many of these coaches are not sticking around and waiting, just a new reality for the sport. And I'm a little bit more passionate about this than I think most people are. I don't like panicky emotional responses by people of leadership. Um, I understand we all have urges to panic. I'm an emotional guy. I really am. And, and every day is some balance of me fighting my emotions to clear my head and make the right decision. But one, there is no evidence that college football is falling apart. All the evidence, whether it's ratings, whether it's local ratings for yeah. you know games during the regular season, whether it's national ratings, ratings for the college football playoff show, 
Um, every bit of evidence suggests that the game is, in fact, growing. And whether that's the, the playoffs, whether that's just the, the visibility of TV, whether that is intrigue by Transfer Portal and NIL and all these different things that are national stories. So I guess I would start by saying I, I respect Kurt, uh, Kirk, Kirk's opinion. He's in it. He lives it. Um, but I also think he might be too close to it. I don't think college football is dying. I think college football is evolving at a yeah. at a warp speed, and I think people in college aren't used to this kind of change, and so it looks different, it feels different, and and they're they're making what I would say are bad comparisons or panicky statements with some truth to it. Right, some the, there's a huge need for leadership in college football. There has been for twenty years. So the idea that just because the NIL and transfer portal have come along and just because coaches are heading off to the NFL to be, you know, uh, offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators, guys, that's natural. Like when change happens, there are there are people that are going to shake free because they don't like the new way that things are going. Yeah. But to suggest that this sport is spiraling out of control is wildly insincere. And I think that language is problematic and commonplace in college football. And I think it's easy to talk, but I think it, I think, I think those people are favoring talking instead of putting their power to use. And Kirk is one of those guys. College administrators are some of those guys like, okay, if it's really that bad, put your balls on the line and do something about it. And that's what annoys me is these big, emphatic, emotional statements. And then yeah. nobody's doing anything about it. Why? Because they know if they try to, they're going to be sued and they're going to lose. Yeah. I think you got to, when you think about Kirk's response, you also got to think about like who he's, you know, talking to hearing from, and it is going to be a lot of the, he's so in tune with, you know, coaches all across the college football landscape and programs across the college football landscape and, you know, hire up people who are having these conversations and talking through it and why people are leaving. So, of course, he's kind of, I don't, I don't want to say jaded because he is, he is an outlet of information and, and Kirk is obviously a leader of the sport and, and rightfully so. But yeah, I think like in some example, or in, in some way, like he's going to be somewhat jaded by, those responses and the people and he, and he, listen, he, in fairness, I did an interview. Um, was it last year? I, whenever. So John Carroll hired, um, uh, Brian Polian to be their, their new AD and obviously son of Bill Polian, famous, uh, former bills GM. And he left, you know, I don't know, you know, somewhat of a cushy job in D one football on, LSU staff under Brian Kelly to come back and take a, a, a D3 AD job. And people were like, why is he doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And so I did an interview with him actually on 92 through the fan. And he brought up the exact same thing that we're hearing people like Halfley and others talk about, which is, you know, there's just the landscape has changed. Like this isn't what I signed up for when I got into coaching or this isn't what I signed up for when I got into football I wanted it to be about the relationships and, you know, growing and building and trying to teach kids and um, be sort of a mentor for them. And it's, it's become, I walk into their house and the kid tells me, Hey, I really like you. I really like coach, but you know, how much can you give me? And, and, and they don't like that. So um, I, I think it's definitely driving people away, but there's, it's not like you're going to drive away everybody. Like there's going to be a phase of 
coaches and a phase of people who are open and willing to stick it out and be part of this new era of college football, if you will. You know, there's there's the conversation that right now I know the the other big one this week was the now Alabama OC, Ryan Grubb, who followed Kalen DeBoer to, to Bama. He's now in consideration for the Seahawks job. So that's another one where it's like, oh, well, he might just end up going back to Washington that quickly because he has a chance to go to the NFL. But I think a lot of that, like you said, has to just do with it's the NFL. And that's why I think the Ryan Day conversation is super interesting because um, we don't really know his full perspective on the state of college football and if it's bad and if it's not what he signed up for and all these different things. But what's interesting about Ryan Day, like we talked about in that first segment, is that he's an NFL guy anyway. So he is already kind of like he came into the college game under Urban Meyer kind of understanding how that the idea of players getting paid works and that it's more about the money at that level. Like he kind of understood the business part of it that's now – working its way into college football, the fabric of college football. So I don't know that it bothers him necessarily as much as it bothers other people. Now, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for the man, but I do think it's interesting that he kind of already had that perspective. Like he's almost, I don't want to say he's an outsider, but he's almost an outsider who's coming into college football versus a lot of the coaches. Like think about Nick Saban. Nick Saban retires a couple weeks ago. and We're all stunned. But then you hear some things about how the changing landscape of college football played a big role in this. And it makes sense. Nick Saban has been a college football staple for so long. He's been so used to seeing college football some way, a certain way, doing it a certain way. And now it's evolving. And maybe it wasn't for him. But the difference is like Ryan Day came down from the NFL level where he was already kind of used to some of these business practices. And now that's working its way into college football. So he might actually be more equipped for it. Again, I don't know for sure. Maybe he doesn't like the way it's the things that are happening and the way it's becoming either. We'll have to well, – that that remains to be seen. We'll see. But I, I think it's interesting that you are getting the reactions you're getting. You're getting the stuff from Kirk. And I do respect Kirk's, Kirk's thoughts on it, and he's right. I think until things change and there's this governing body and things are more regulated, I'm sure there will be more coaches that leave. But there's going to be coaches who also want to stay. And that's why I do think – we've talked about it already uh, throughout other episodes. But that's why I do think, like, this is an opportunity for a program like Ohio State, if they can get at the forefront of this stuff – they can be sort of ahead of the eight ball and, and almost I, I don't want to say they'll ever be able to do what Saban did, but they can kind of be that team that's running a dynasty in college football if they, they stay ahead of the fray. So well, I don't well, know. It's, I, it's fascinating. So, so real quick, like a head coach leaving for the NFL is not new no. and assistants leaving for the NFL are not new. What feels new, and and listen, I do think these things have happened, just not to the extent they seem to be happening this offseason. We've seen lesser programmed head coaches trying to get back to the NFL, either as a coordinator or as a head coach. So some of this to me is crocodile tears. Like, this is happening. Like, the coaching shell game has always happened. And I would, I one quick note on Ryan Day. Remember, like, Ryan Day's entry point to the NFL was Chip Kelly. And that's, I mean, I think he was an assistant in Philly for a year, an assistant in San Francisco. But Ryan Day was, I think, at New Hampshire as an offensive coordinator for like five or six years. So Ryan's seen it on the the that mid-tier of football, and Ryan's seeing it the highest level. I don't fear losing Ryan Day. I, I don't fear losing any of these coaches. 
Like guys, Nick Saban was seventy two. Well, and, and I'm not talking. Like, like, I'm not. I'm, my my point wasn't that you should fear it. My point was just that like it's going to be interesting to see which coaches are okay with this changing tide of college football and which ones aren't. I don't know which box Ryan Day fits into, but I I I'm I'm trying to say I think it might be the the, the former. But I would rather a coach say, you know what, it's not for me. I'd rather yeah. that than what's happening at Clemson. Dabo Sweeney clearly. <laughs> hates this era of football <laughs> and instead of embracing nil instead of embracing he's trying to put up um, a dam to block the way portal he's saying i'm not going to do it and yeah. so you've seen clemson go from the powerhouse i mean there you know yes alabama was a powerhouse yes georgia has taken up that mantle until proven otherwise because they're the team that's won the most championships most recently and, and consistently been in the top four but like Clemson had that moment in between those two dynasties where Clemson really was pound for pound in the ACC as dominant as Alabama. That's huge. And rather than maintain that level, Dabo has just said, yeah, I'm not going to do the portal. Yeah, that make NIL makes me uncomfortable. Does that yes. make you fireable? And th- I, th- I mean, I think it does too. I'm just asking. because I like- it, It's why Dabo didn't get the Alabama job. Yeah. Well, and it's it, why it, fans were fans were chanting anyone anyone but Dabo near the Nick Saban statue. After well, but left. like, well, I think some of that is he's a bit of a goober, anyways. Yeah, and I, yeah. I Dabo's a bit of a lightning rod in college athletics. But like the same resume, meaning the same down years, a couple of years in a row. I don't, I don't think that's why Dabo didn't get hired at Alabama. I think it's hundred percent the guy's failure to adapt. So, yeah. There's one other thing that bugs me about this and about this, this, because again, everything turns into a clarion call about, oh, what have we reaped? What are we sowing? Oh, the, the demise of college football. Um, you know, when, when Alabama or when, when Lane Kiffin said, oh, Ohio State paid $13 million for their transfer portal. See, this is why we need regulation. This is why we need leadership. When um, a high profile quarterback, literally says, all right, guys, I'm open for business. Who's going to pay me the most money? Oh, this is why we need leadership. This is why we need leadership. Guys, Jeff Halfley was four games below 500 at Boston College. It's very likely that Jeff Halfley realized he was stuck at Boston College having success, but probably not a, enough success to get a better job. And that's you that, that turns into you get fired real quick with one bad season. It's more likely that Jeff Halfley read the tea leaves and said, yeah, I don't think I can get this program over the hump in this era. I think I just want to go back to the NFL where I – like, because you get yeah. fired in college, well, it's really hard to then become a head coach in the NFL down the road, even if you're a great defensive coordinator. And Chip Kelly, they were flying banners over the UCLA campus saying, fire Chip Kelly, all right? And that was a real <laughs> conversation. So maybe it's two coaches that are stuck, that realize they've had success in the NFL and they can go back there. Like maybe it's just as simple as two guys knowing, reading the tea leaves, knowing their asses were grass. And I, I think it's as likely that that's the case is just, oh, it's an indictment or solely indictment on the state of college football. Well, and Chip Kelly's an, an, an interesting one because to to that point, because he's been very much at the forefront of embracing this stuff. He We played a quote on this show several weeks ago from him talking about you know, his, his big master plan for college football and how you can fix it. And, you know, these different, like the two big, basically conferences, like you have in the NFL and it's the, it's the East versus the West or whatever. Like he had this whole thing. So I don't think, I don't think him leaving has anything to do with the NIL stuff. I just think to your point, he probably is like, yeah, I'm probably not going to be here much longer. Um, And 
and and like I also think too, the NIL thing becomes an easy excuse when you're in a situation like you just mentioned with Halfley, right? Like you're at a program that is is kind of a middle middle of the group, the middle of the pack program, meddling in mediocrity, and your sort of jobs on the line, or you're on the hot seat going into a year, and so you depart or you take a job in the NFL, and the easy cop out is when you don't want to admit like oh, I just wasn't very good at my job. Well. Yeah, you know, the, the changing landscape of college football just it's not for me, so I'm going to go to the NFL now. Which is fu- but it's all, it's funny because like that being the excuse to go to the NFL, well dude, you're literally stepping into the originators of the exact thing that you're trying to run away from in college football by going to the NFL. Like that's all all the NFL is is what the is what college football is becoming. So it's kind of funny that the thing that is your excuse is also the thing that you now have to embrace fully at that level. Um, but I do, I will say this, like to the point of regulation and all this, I do think right now we have seen the early stages of NIL and I do think that it's allowed there to be some sort of parody. And that's the thing we want in, in sports the most is it's always about parody. And the, the idea that this NIL era is allowing and this, and the transfer portal era, we'll kind of put them those two things together because the transfer portal is, you know, bigger than it's ever been. The idea that those two things are allowing some of these other schools to be maybe be more competitive against the the top tier programs, I think is good. But I think right now you're still in that sort of learning development phase. Ohio State's a perfect example of this. They're learning how to navigate this this time frame and this this different sort of situation that they're they're in. And Ohio State's now embraced that. Once the schools that have the resources realize how to utilize them and what to do like Ohio state's kind of figuring out right now. And I'm sure Georgia kind of has figured out. And if Clemson ever gets on board and they figure it out, like those, it would just be the exact same thing we had. If it's not regulated where the top programs are just getting all the best recruits. And that's going to happen anyway. I get it. But I'm saying like on an extreme level, because they'll have all the money. So on some level, I do think there does need to be some sort of uh, regulation but I don't know if that's just if we can just point to that and say end all be all. This is the end of college football, and everyone's going to the fleeing to the NFL because of this thing. Like again, going to the NFL just means that you're basically embracing the exact same thing you're running from. It's just a it's just more organized because they've been doing it for a lot longer. Let's just be honest here. It's about control. College yeah. football is yeah. really tough to win in, regardless. It's tough to win when you have all this control. It's not a coincidence that Nick Saban at 72 said, I I mean, uh, I, he is a master of control, master of persuasion, master of getting guys up. And if you don't have as much control, you can't utilize those same tools. So I, I don't think it's coincidence that Nick doesn't like an era where he doesn't have the same control. Urban Meyer, notoriously controlling. Um, and I don't mean that in like a manipulative way. I just mean in, it, notorious in terms of my way or the highway. Um, okay, well, yeah, he didn't he, want to come back. He was to kind of manipulative football. when he went to the Jaguars. It sounds I, like, he but. manipulated a booty when he went. No, 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 no. But <laughs> what I will say and his is, his kicker. He, he was he like, was he kicked his kicker. So yeah, I mean that's because that's what you do is you kick a kicker and then you. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Honestly, but, kickers can be kind of weird, crazy dudes. I don't know if I'd be kicking a kicker if I'm being honest. Oh, I'd beat the shit out of a kicker. I have no fear. Listen. <laughs> I've never feared like Justin a Tucker. Uh, uh, he seems a little crazy to me. I don't no, know. Sebastian Janikowski. I'm not kicking his ass, Seabass. But when it comes to <laughs> a five foot nine, hundred and sixty pound kicker, 
unless we're unless we're practicing my tie, I think I'm going to go ahead and have the advantage <laughs> as I have 200 pounds on them and about half a foot and probably half a foot of reach. Now I digress. Um, what this really is about is control. Yeah. And and Power. what I what I struggle with when somebody as respected as Kirk Herbstreet throw out the clarion call of you know college football spiraling out of control. One, a lot of these people were in favor of NIL in the first place. A lot of these people, and I can't remember Herbie's exact thughts on it, a lot of these people were directly in favor of more freedom for players. So we finally get to an era where, and it's still not equitable, the amount of money college football programs are are overseeing, it still, I mean, it pales in comparison what players are getting paid in NIL to what is being funneled through college football and and obviously in college basketball as well. But I understand that there's a holistic conversation about how that flow of money disrupts for other sports. I do understand it. But what it really gets at, when coaches say, I don't like this era, what they're saying is, I don't have as much control. I'm more beholden to players. I'm more beholden to – you know, a, a football So go to the GMs. NFL where you're also beholden to players. Well, like they but make no, more no, it's, but it's different. <laughs> players are under contract there. You know when you have players. The, it's more knowable. And but that isn't allows that essentially you, what's happening here? Like you're no, getting players no, that are it, kind of under contract. They're under contracts no, with these, because these companies. Because a guy, and, how, I mean, what was it? Uh, Kale Gundy went into the portal, transferred to a school, and then was already back in the portal. So like that is instability. And it is instability in a way. Well, but that the portal is different than NIL, though. They, they, well, they're, 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 they're together, but they're separate. But like the, the point portal... is, they, they are linked in. And just real yes. quick, I just want to get this yeah, yeah. To, to, to finish this point. Sorry. But I think you're more beholden to boosters. You're more beholden to. That's why you hear schools say, we got to bring this in house. Let's just pay players because we got to bring it in house because they're now dealing with third party NIL collectives which are not always the best faith actors. So I I am totally empathetic to how the game has changed. I'm totally empathetic to the idea that college football needs leadership. They've needed good leadership for 50 years, and the NCAA has not done it. And the lack of leadership has led to what is the wild, wild west. But I really struggle. I really chafe with the idea that the best way to handle all this is to give back power to institutions that have looked the other way because the NCAA is the universities. The NCAA is the ADs and they've looked the other way and they've allowed the NCAA to be a meat shield for them. And most of that's fair because the NCAA has had just unfair levels of power, but like, like this is, this is, you're reaping what you're sowing here. Hmm. And it's tough for me as somebody who looks at these kids sacrificing their necks, their knees, their brains, their longevity, you know, I, I, I know people who've played college football who have significant brain injuries. I see them struggle with it. All right. If, if you know football players, guys who played at the highest level, the NFL, college football, you see the sacrifice. And guys, in no way now, guys are getting paid oodles of money. Right. You know, millions potentially for some guys, millions of dollars to go play football somewhere. And even if you make $200 million, is it worth 30 years of your brain not working? Is it worth the possibility of suicide, which some of these guys have have gone there because their brains are damaged or they can't move? I have an uncle who played football in the, the 50s and 60s. The man literally can't move one arm. It just it doesn't work anymore because of nerve damage from playing football. 
So it's it's a little yeah. tough when we start talking about, well, let's give control to the universities. Like they fucking know what to do with it. Their, their, their control is we're going to siphon the money evenly. And that's not equitable for what the guys, listen, I want college volleyball to exist. I want, um, you know, mid-level women's hoops to exist as I love the Bowling Green uh, women's basketball program because that was one of the uh, sports that I fell in love with. I want college hockey to exist, another college sport that I fell in love with. I want college kids and, and high school athletes going into college. I want them to have every possible avenue. But to fairness, the the random swimmer at Iowa I don't even know if Iowa has this one, is not worth to Iowa what a great quarterback is. Hmm. And that guy isn't going to have to worry in 50 years about whether his brain works. So this, I I just get really sensitive. And again, I respect Kirk. I really do. I just disagree with him on this. And I disagree using something like two coaches who might be on the path next year to getting fired because of their situations. Good football coaches, by the way. They're good, but Halfley and and Chip Kelly are good football coaches. They're in bad situations, bad fiscal situations, bad leadership situations, tough places to win. So I I can't sound off the college football's dying, spiring out of control when we have a mountain of evidence to the contrary about the actual popularity of the sport while while then we're going to take away some of this power and redirect it to university who fucked this thing up from the front, I mean, from the very start, who could have avoided every single, they could have been logical, they could have put this out, but they were scared bleepless because they held over this power for a hundred years. And then the Ed O'Bannon thing happens and starts to, you know, there's the crack, there's the fissure. And so I just, I'm totally sensitive to the idea of, well, we got to trust those guys because it's worked out so well for college football, college basketball, and college athletics for the last, you know, 20 years before, or 50 years before, uh, before, uh, I almost said analytics, uh, buzzword, uh, before, um, before NIL and the transfer portal came along. What's funny about you saying, um, you know, the, that you're beholden to boosters, what it, what is an NFL owner than just like a really really rich booster, right? And and that I, again, I'm just kind of saying like going back to my point of like these coaches are leaving the thing that they don't like to basically step into the thing that they 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 don't like. But it, it's it's funny, um, and I get like the NFL is more organized, but to me, like owners are just massive boosters who own a team, and that that's kind of what you see in college football. It's just there's multiple people who are want say and, and a seat at the table, and they're throwing money around. But I, I listen. I, it, it's it's not an easy solution. I don't know what this governing body or regulation fully looks like. Um, I I'm sympathetic to the fact that to, to your point, having worked in college athletics for a number of years, that that you can't have other programs and there's no other sports a lot of times without the money that these football programs are bringing in. And so on some level, you have to find a way to still disperse that, or else. You get rid of call. You get rid of other sports as you know it at schools, and you don't want to see that. You don't want to see opportunities taken away from other kids because just because uh, women's golf isn't a money making sport doesn't mean that that kid shouldn't or that person shouldn't have an opportunity to participate in that at the college level and get better and grow the game and, and participate in, in other sports that aren't your your highest revenue generating sports. Um, so I don't know what the the answer is. Um, I think NIL was supposed to kind of be the solution to that because it allows you to to make money off of, again, your name, image, and likeness where it's not the school is paying the bill. 
And I do think like, yeah, to give the power just back to the schools, I don't know that they're just going to like, I, I get it. The, the, the They're going to do what I just laid out. They're going to sort of disperse it amongst everybody. And that's for the state of their, their athletic department and the health of that and making sure they can still fund everything. Um, but I don't know how you like those two things are going to be so difficult to solve with each other. Like how much money do you give to the players that are, that's coming in versus how much money goes to the rest of the athletic department. It's, it's not an easy thing to fix, but I do think at some point, like, and here's the other thing, Nick, all these people talking about how the state of college football is why they're leaving and it's mass chaos and, and whatever the wordage that, that Kirk used was, I think he said like, it's um, what did he say? It's spiraling, it's spiraling out of control. Out of control. Yeah. I think part of this is anytime there's massive change like this in sport and anything, there's a feeling it out process. And that goes back to the point I was making on like, there's going to be some coaches that are totally on board with this and they stick around and they realize this era is for them. And there's going to be some like Nick Saban who are like, it's not for me. And that's fine. But that doesn't mean like it's spiraling out of control. I just, I, to me, I just look at it as the sport is still very healthy. And despite what people are saying about it, spiraling out of control, because the money's coming in, the ratings are there. And then also, I think it's just kind of like working itself out. Like you're going through a phase of change that is going to require sort of weeding out the people who want to be there and weeding out the people who don't and weeding out the teams that are going to go all in on this new era and weeding out the teams that aren't. Like change is always going to bring these types of decisions for people. And it's not what I signed up for. I mean, people leave jobs because it's not what they signed up for. Like it, it like in, in just everyday life, not even at the college football or the, the, the sports level. So I don't know. I it's, it's, it's just kind of par for the course. And I don't know if I'm like sitting here freaking out every day because, Oh no, the sport of college football that I love is dying and going away because Kirk Herbstreit said so like, no. All right, guys, we have, uh, we'll take your thoughts in the 92, three, the fan uh, YouTube channel comment section. Also, and Nick Wilson says at Spencer to underscore when we come back one final segment, we're going to split it between um, saying hello to a new coach in the Big Ten and another new coach in the Big Ten, another new team in the Big Ten, putting the stones on the table just a little bit here. But quick, a word from our sponsors. 